All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. That's right, you're listening to Make the Jump with Robin Vote, of course, of the Brick City Blockade. And sitting across from me, of course, on the other side of the country, I love talking to our folks out on the West Coast. That's right, it is Miss Amy Greatcliffe herself. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the, the blockade. It's uh, so awesome to have you on. Thank you for having me stop by, always. Yes. Love I'm... chatting Star Wars. Twist my arm. <laughs> right, right, right. That's, uh, that's usually how it works around here. We, we gotta really convince people when it comes to Star Wars stuff. But, uh, listen, Amy, one of the things I always like to ask people when they come onto the podcast network, and I'm sure you've been asked this question a bunch of times, but I, I always love to ask this one, is, is where did your passion for Star Wars begin? Because I always leave that as like the baseline. For, for where our fandom is. Yeah, I came to Star Wars. Uh, I'm always interested to know this, too. Um, and I came to Star Wars kind of late. I went with my high school boyfriend at the time, watched the prequels, enjoyed them all. But what really got me hooked was not until, what, 2008, I guess, when the Clone Wars came mm-hmm. out and when the series started. And people always ask, like, why the Clone Wars? And I think it's there's no one answer. It was just a mix of... Probably a lot of things like compared, like where I was in my life, the right. time period. I really liked the prequel era. I really liked seeing more of Anakin and Obi Wan, and I loved. Well, I didn't love Ahsoka at first. She was pretty bratty. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a little <laughs> while to warm up to her. I know I'm not the only person. I'm not alone in that. No, you're not. But she has grown to be my favorite character, and so it was really through watching the Clone Wars that I decided to revisit the films and kind of just like almost like I saw it for the first time saw them for the first time in some ways because I just fell in love in a way that I didn't when I was in high school and part of that in hindsight might have been because my boyfriend in high school was a tool so I probably (laughs) feel like I just judged the Star Wars movies based on what a jerk he was I don't know That's an interesting baseline. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, I feel like interesting one. Yeah, maybe I associated him with those movies and built in some negativity or at least some unwillingness back then. I I actually kind of like that. I I like. I've I've never heard anything like that before. But you know what? And I and I agree with you, Amy. It's like I really like. I love Star Wars throughout like you know elementary school, middle school, and then there was this interesting period of time like. Right when high school hits, I don't know what happens. You, like, lose your sense of love for certain things, and you start focusing, like, on relationships and everything else. And you're right. It, it really wasn't until, like, even after that time that I got that I got back into Star Wars. And it was, like – and I think the big thing – I mean, I'm a youngster in this world. I'm, I'm 24 years old. My birthday's uh, in a couple of days here. I'm going to be 25. And in Happy 2000 – Oh, thank you. Thank you. In 2012, when I graduated from high school, that was the year – that Lucasfilm went over to Disney, and, and that purchase happened. It was literally days before I graduated. Oh, wow. So in a way, so so for me, it was kind of like, wow, that's a that's a graduation gift. If anybody would freaking want one, and uh, it, it was so great. 
at that time in 2012 to just kind of sit back and say, wow, this is, this is all coming back into fruition. This journey that I went on early on in my life is, is going to be reborn once again. And our fandom is going to be reborn at the same time. Much like in The Last Jedi, the, the rebellion is reborn again. And that, that's how I felt about it. And I think it's interesting that you and I kind of share that same kind of timeline within our lives. It's like we, we lost a sense of it for a little bit and then we came back to it, which is really cool when you think about how Star Wars even at times plays into our lives. We, we lose our sense of it for a little bit and then it's like, whoa, it's back. It's right there for us. And uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And for you specifically, I love that you bring up the Clone Wars because they, they do so many great things in the Clone Wars. Dave Filoni just brings that aspect of George Lucas right into it and, and really being the Padawan learner behind George Lucas. Did so many amazing things. Now, Ahsoka Tano is a huge, huge fan favorite here at the Podcast Network. And uh, Chris Letty, of course, uh, part of the Podcast Network, is absolutely obsessed with the character of Ahsoka Tano. And uh, is there something specific about Ahsoka Tano that you latch onto? Is it her charisma, her attitude? Is it just her willingness to really step out in front and say, "This is who I am, and this is the path I want to go down"? What is it about Ahsoka that you that made it her so important to you? Definitely a bit of the latter, in, and in some ways, because when I started, you know, my journey in fandom, it was really through Clone Wars. I felt like I grew up in fandom as she grew up. And then by the time she came back in Star Wars Rebels, she was actually, the character was closer to my, to my age. Oh. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a cool, like, journey as well to be like, oh, now Ahsoka's like, she's like my age. Like, she's a grown up and she did it. But it's really a lot of things about her from her uh, never caring when she sassed Anakin. Of course, she learned that from him, but their right. dynamic and just always pushing back recognizing when she failed and processing it, but getting up to try again and really learning, you know, any Padawan during that time, any learner, they learn from the Jedi in a time when the Jedi were doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing when the Jedi mm. were fighting a war, which is not something that I don't think should have happened. Right. So that she learned through all that and came out the other side. And even after the Jedi treated her, I don't think so well biased mm -hmm. and she had the courage to be like you know what i know this has been my life i know this is what i've been trained to do but i don't know how i feel about the jedi right now i don't know about our role in this war and i'm gonna walk away yeah and i'll see you were this is my jedi trial whatever <laughs> <laughs> right so i admire that she had the wherewithal to examine her life like that and at that age and it was the only life she's known and to make a decision and to walk away. And that was still kind of something she was faced with to a certain degree after Order 66 when she faked her death and then still went through all of that and came back to the side of, like, I want to help people and started mm -hmm. working with Dale. So I think that resilience and that just persistence, it's really good, admirable. And there's so many different aspects to Ahsoka Tano's decisions. I mean, you just said it right there the willingness and the ability to recognize that, you know what, I, I don't think I can continue down this path right now. I mean, that's that's such an important, and it's it's great because, I mean, so many people have said this on many different podcasts, but it's, it's the mindset that George Lucas had that Star Wars is really for the 12-year-old who's trying to find their way in the world and in, and in the universe, and I see that for boys, girls, no matter who it is. 
and and her recognition that as a life skill, when something doesn't seem right, you get away from it because it's creating that negative mindset. It, it's pushing you down a path you don't want to go down. Ahsoka takes that to heart and just moves forward with it, really, to be honest with you, without any question. She she really just makes that decision on the spot and says, no more, no more of this. And I think that that's such an important life skill. Is something I teach to my students as a teacher as well, is that when something doesn't feel right, it's time to move on. And I'm sure yourself, we've had many times throughout our lives where we feel that way. And it's kind of cool that we can associate that with a Star Wars character too. And we can say, I can power through just like Ahsoka. I find that really cool. And I definitely do that. I, there's a lot of inspiration, I think, that can be found in fiction. And sometimes fiction gives us a way to process, kind of an avenue to process those problems. Excuse me, problems like that are questions that maybe we can't face in black and white in front of us, but if we think about them in the terms of Ahsoka or a Leia or a Yoda, it just kind of gives you sometimes that layer of separation you need mm. to parse stuff out and then face it. And Star Wars has certainly const is a constant go-to for me when I need that sort of you know, not life advice, but almost. That's that's it to a T. I totally agree with you, that life advice piece. I mean, I, I consistently reflect on that as well. I'm always going back to some of the decisions Kane and Jarrus made, whether it's in the novels and if it's in A New Dawn, or if it's what he did throughout Rebels. Some of the stuff he was able to push through and the idea of taking on Ezra and everything was so important to where he saw his own Jedi Master fall, and he escaped Order 66 himself, and then he decides, you know what, I'm going to take on a Padawan learner as well. And Ahsoka, on the other end, being part of that, and, and being part of that journey as well, and seeing them all come together at the end there was just absolutely fantastic. And you reflect on that in life, and you say, who are the other people I can associate myself with? To almost create my own Star Wars Rebels crew. Like that, sometimes Honestly, like yeah. Yeah, you, you you wonder, okay, who's my Harrison Dula? Who's my Kane and Jairus? Who's my Ezra that I'm I'm teaching? It's so cool how those things just kind of expand into real life. I'm sure you find yourself every day being like, hey, that's my Kane and Jairus over there. Yeah, that's the that's the person I go to as my Hera. Definitely, because I think fiction has such a power, and fictional characters have such a power, and I think that's kind of one of the the fun things about fully like diving into fandom and just wrapping yourself in stories his being in your life like who's my zeb if i need if i need someone to like punch a situation who will i go to i don't have a zeb actually i need to work on that hey, get yourself a zeb there <laughs> i definitely have uh, i think i am the chopper actually oh that's a cool waves, one waves their arms and is sassy towards people <laughs> uh can sometimes be a helpful trait often gets me in trouble but uh -oh. definitely lucky to have a Hera in my life and an Ezra to some degree <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's it just it's just so much to relate to and it's something that the cornerstone of Star Wars for me will always be about hope. Yeah. And it's always so powerful to look at these stories that are in a galaxy far, far away, in space, galactic-sized conflicts, but there's, they can be so micro, too, when you look at your own life. You can find lines that parallel and, and compare. I mean, one of those more recent discoveries that I was able to do was I took some time away, Amy, from uh, doing a Marvel binge uh, because of Infinity War and uh, going back into some Star Wars stuff. And it's funny, I, I've really been focusing on 
Padme's rise and the way that she was as, of course, Queen Amidala on Naboo and comparing that to Leia in the original trilogy and seeing the side-by-side comparison in many ways. And it's so funny when you go through, especially, and you being a prequel person as well from the sounds of it, it's it's interesting when you watch episode one, Phantom Menace, and then you look at Leia in Empire Strikes Back, and you look at the parallels about how Leia is handling situations on Hoth and how she's handling uh, the military side, and then you see what... Padme is able to do on Naboo and the way that she was able to treat the Trade Federation. I mean, the the representation and having her, you know, Leia take on very, very much the responsibilities of her mother in the past, it's so cool to go back and watch those things. And I imagine as a prequel person yourself, it's really cool when you can go from what George had originally established to what he did with the prequels and just say, wow, Look at these connections that he was able to make, probably without us knowing it right away. I mean, that that's it's so cool to see that. Yeah, and it's something I've seen criticisms about, about Star Wars, especially with the sequel trilogy, is how, oh, it's too like this other movie. It's too like another Star Wars movie. It's Force Awakens is too much like A New Hope. And mm. I think those, which is a whole other rant, but I think that <laughs> those parallels and those beats in Star Wars that are similar which I think most of the time are intentional and, and sometimes are definitely uh, fans, like us putting our interpretations in. But regardless, mm-hmm. think that things tie together and complement each other in such a wonderful way is so intrinsic to the saga films. And Padme and Leia is a great example, both royalty that transitioned into politics that were... Uh, Padme was not planning the receipts of the rebellion, but, you know, part of a select group of senators that were meeting and talking about, like, I don't know about this Palpatine guy. This is seeming right. awfully suspicious to later going to Leia, who just her parents are acting weird. And through, like, figuring that out, she learns that they're involved in rebellious activity against Palpatine and puts herself in Princess of Alderaan. Life Princess of Alderaan was uh, such a great book. Claudia Gray. Oh, yes, I know. It's right, Leia, forever. <laughs> and you know, it, all the Star Wars books forever. I love her work, but I, I really enjoyed what we saw of a teenage Leia. And that especially made me think of, you know, I think in Phantom Menace, Padme was, well, I mean, I'm certainly now, Portman was young, but Pat, I think Padme mm. was in her teens as well then. Yes, she was. So, Tep, those kind of, I think back to my teenage years and the relatively inconsequential things <laughs> that I had, you know, was just so angsty over and had to wrestle with. And here are these teenagers who are ruling planets, uh, going off on secret missions on their own to fight this, in, like, immeasurable evil. And... Mm. I love that even though she didn't know Padme was her mom until a late, she followed in her footsteps and certainly yeah. helped that Balin or, and Breha were of the same rebellious or same, you know, the same mind. And, and you're so right. It, it, there's there's these criticisms out there. And I'm, I'm, listen, you said that perfectly. It's like that is a whole other thing for a whole other time. And I'm sure I've got two or three other podcasts surrounding that rant specifically, too. And it's really along the lines of those parallels do bridge together 
what Star Wars is, the, the family. That's, that's really what it's all about at the end. No matter what anybody says, Star Wars is family. There are going to be parallels in films. There are going to be connections in films because guess what? They are related to Skywalkers. They had an association with Skywalkers. Everything up to this point has really been following the Skywalker sagas. And, and, and it's so important that people take a step back and say, you know what? No matter how I feel about something, this is, this is how it is. And we can interpret films the way we want to, but within the script, within the production, within the story that makes this galaxy far, far away so important, Amy, it is that mindset of Star Wars has always been about family. And I feel that it's, it's almost our duty as a fandom to, to when people get really heated about it, and of course you and I see it on social media all the time, it's like, hold on, pump the brakes. Look at the basics of Star Wars. And, and love it for what it is. That, that, that's kind of my little take on that. Love it for what it is, and I like that you point out the themes of family, because it is. I think the Skywalkers are at the center of the saga. I still think we'll get that payoff in Episode Nine because Kylo is a Skywalker, mm. technically. And... I think Star Wars is also, there's a beautiful aspect of it that's about the family you choose, which is something I really like to see in them because I certainly have friends who I consider family and are certainly closer than some of my family members to me. So to see yeah. Luke form bonds with Han and Leia, see Rey, Poe and Finn, even Anakin and Obi-Wan before that went terribly wrong. <laughs> right. I like that. At the heart, you have the Skywalkers and, and everybody that's connected to them, but the people that are connected to them are people they have chosen to be around. Mm. And I kind of got off tangent with that one and forgot where I was going. But <laughs> No, it's beautiful. It's, it makes <laughs> sense. Family you choose. It's great. No, it, you, you said that beautifully. It, it's, it, it's really what it's all about. And even to the point, Amy, of us who are the fandom, the people who make up, you know, the Star Wars fans, it, it's so important that... We kind of carry what the films have done. We have to almost consider consider ourselves, if I can say that properly, as like the Skywalkers. We're a tight-knit family that's always there for each other. And when somebody's down, we pick ourselves up. We saw that with Kelly Marie Tram. A lot of people just came right, right around and said, you know what? Whatever those other people are saying, screw them. Screw them. You know? This is all about family. This is all about supporting each other. And it's funny because it doesn't only stay on the light side. But you see it when it comes to the Empire, too. Great example, another great Claudia Gray novel, Lost Stars. Yeah, so the, good. Oh, I just reread it again, and every time I read it, Amy, I'm like, why can't Lost Stars be a film? Why can't it be a live-action show? I'm like, oh my goodness, give Claudia Gray the handles on something, because it, that, that's family right there, too. Two people who are rising through the Empire have this connection with each other, you know, whether that's love, whether that's it bounces back and forth, but but it's family. It's like that it, they, they look out for each other and they care for each other. And it doesn't matter what part of whether you're in the Empire or whether you're in the Rebellion or on the Resistance or part of some Resistance group that's not associated with the Rebellion. You know, you could be part of Sagarera's crew. They all looked out for each other, too. And, and it's so fascinating that, that theme is spread across. Everybody always associates it with, well, it's always the good side that has a family. No, it, 
it goes across every other way. And Claudia Gray does a great job with that with Lost Stars. You sound like you're a big fan of it. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the most valuable, not one of the most valuable things about that book because it's all quite tremendous, but a valuable aspect is that was one of the first pieces of Star Wars storytelling I consumed that made me see the Empire in, in a, you know, in different shades, I guess. I don't want to say in a different light because they still are what they are at the end of the day, but the Absolutely. people who join the Empire can have these kind of relationships is like joking, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get top of the class and you're not like those kind of friendships and those kind mm. of bonds. And I thought it was really eye opening to read about that and also kind of, you know, even like seeing as like her view on things like the Death Star or just, yeah. The things that the Empire is doing and how much they also, of course, push their own propaganda and, and, and twist the narrative. But I think Claudia Gray just does a beautiful job of getting inside heads. And that's something something that followed up on that for me was Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad, the book as well. Yes. Getting, ugh, that was getting inside Aiden's head was that was all fascinating. So even though I am, I am a rebel through and through, I always mm-hmm. find really insightful i guess to just kind of read those books and open try to open my mind more see the other side because then it can be as far as the people you know on the ground like it can be quite the same inside an imperial uh, base during downtime as it could be on on echo base during downtime and i love that you say that you're a rebel at heart because i feel like we all are a little bit of a rebel at heart no matter what is even though i love the empire in my uh, sense of the Star Wars fandom, but we all have our own little way of it, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're still a family in the end, and that's what's so important. Now, I gotta ask you this, because I've been hypothesizing on this for so long, and I thought, oh, I gotta ask Amy this question when she's on. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, this is this is a proposal. I'm throwing this out there to the Brick City Blockade listeners, and I'm gonna ask you this question. Now, one character I want to see get some more backstory and a lot more action to is a character that we were introduced to in Rogue One really, really stood out to me in Catalyst was Lyra Erso. And I She's so cool. I absolutely love the attitude that she brings. She stands up for her family. She stands up for Galen. But at the same time she's not afraid to put her foot down and say, Galen, you're absolutely freaking wrong in this case. Do you understand who Krennic is all about? Do you see what's actually truly behind him? And you know what? She was right about everything. And Lyra Urso, I, I would love to find out what is her connection with the Force? Like a little bit of like where she comes from, but I would love to know where she gains so much more of that rebellious attitude from. Claudia Gray, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you <laughs> out. Lyra Urso, I would Please love to see more. This. I yeah, know. And, and the fact too, I... I like all of those traits about her. I like that she was the one who saw through all the BS the entire yes. way and was like, look, husband, you have to open your eyes. Like, I know you're focused on your work. But another thing I liked about her is, you know, she uh, worked with Crystal. She was essentially like a geologist, I think. Yes. Like, and that's kind of the first, I mean, not just female character we've seen in that role, but the first time we've, ex- with Galen, who like explored, like, this is like STEM in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool yeah. to see other careers other than politicians or or warriors or Jedi. And it's a little thing, but 
I liked like, oh, I want to know more about that because I bet you went on some pretty cool field expeditions in the day and even you and Galen went on some together. But so there are a lot of aspects to her character that are worth exploring. I, I mean, even around the background of what was Lyra's mother's mother like? You know, what was her family like? Where, you know, did was her father something even more rebellious? You know, like the, there's so much that they, that really could be pulled from that. And I mean, even to the point of when we see her in Rogue One and we see her stand up to Krennic, and and she's right. You're never gonna win. She's she's absolutely right. Krennic never yeah. truly won. And and it's funny. It's like she's almost five for five. She's got a perfect free throw percentage when it comes to predicting how how people are in the Star Wars universe and and predicting how things are gonna go. It's so fascinating when you take a step back and you're like, I, I don't know if Lyra Urso has been given a lot of light compared to a lot of other characters. And oh. maybe that's something that, that we'll see at some point, And it would be super exciting. Yeah, agreed. Certainly not as much as she deserves. Again, I'm calling out Claudia Gray or Christy Golden or somebody out there who's, who's going to pick that up and, and run with it. There's so many great authors out there that uh, E.K. Johnson as well. So somebody pick, pick up the concept of Lyra Urso and the character and, and push that forward into a novel. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. All right, Amy, one other thing I got to ask you here. One other. When we're talking about characters in the Star Wars universe, somebody who I have absolutely fallen in love with as a character and somebody I wasn't so sure about going into seeing Solo, a Star Wars story, was the character of Kira. When I was watching Solo, I was like, okay, with Lady Proxima and Solo, I was like, okay, it's a love, it's a love relationship. It's, it, but they kind of turn on each other a little bit, and they they don't know how to, you know, work themselves out in many ways. Kind of similar to what Han had later on with Leia. It's like, where are they right now? You could kind of see that play out in Solo between them, but the passion was always there. Then we get to the end of Solo, and we get to see how Kira has fought her way into. Crimson Dawn and how she was able to survive and the way that she gave herself to Crimson Dawn in a way of not only saving herself, but maybe from what I'm seeing here, maybe even saving the future of Han. It's like she let him go. She let him, you know, she had to go do what she had to do. The minute, the minute Maul showed up and he said, you know, to Kira, you know, we're going to be working a lot more closely. I'm like, man, Kira was already becoming a real badass in solo Star Wars story, you know, especially on Kessel, you see her throwing, throwing the, uh, the detonators. It, it was just absolutely great. And I built so much more respect for that character, but that relationship with Maul is something I'm super excited for. How do you feel about that? Are you super excited to see if there's going to be anything surrounding Kira? I long for, there are a few things I long for after solo, but the, the most prominent one was I would love a movie seeing Kira working alongside Maul more as an equal rather than a servant, but just running the insert curse word here out of a criminal organization and yes. having just it down, taking no nonsense, having this underground network. Because I think, I know people have different opinions about her decision to go to Crimson Dawn, but I interpret yeah. it as, and I see it as, this is someone who's been shuffled off from owner to owner, since she yeah. was a child, from Proxima to Voss. And the solo novelization, I think, makes it more clear that this is kind of one of the first opportunities she has to make a decision and change her life. 
Yeah. She could have run away with Han. Mm-hmm. She decided to stay. She saw mm-hmm. a path for herself up there. She saw a moment to decide which her next steps would be when instead of just being handed off to someone and being forced to make the best of the situation. Right. So I admire that, as twisted as it is, that that how she sees herself moving up through the world. I'm sure she sees a path to ultimate freedom through that after she killed Voss, especially. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a standalone, if we don't get a film, I don't know if that's likely or not, but something. I'd prefer to get a film, but I will take I will take a novel. I will take comic miniseries. I just <laughs> I want to see more of Kira and Maul after that conversation. They play such an important role in the timeline, too. I mean, obviously, with Solo, you're leading up to the events of Rebels, you're leading up through to Rogue One, then, of course, you're leading up to A New Hope. And that's a very interesting part of the timeline that that still can be fleshed out a little more. And to see, it's something that we've been waiting for for a long time, is the underground of Star Wars. We saw a little bit of it with the prequels. I think George did a great job showing, you know, Jango Fett and... uh, some of the underground movements with the bounty hunters. And then, of course, in the original trilogy, we see a little bit more of that with Boba Fett and Bosk. But we really get to see the down-home, like, this is how to smuggle. This is how to make your money. And once you're in this life, there's no way out. You're in it for good, as they say in Solo. And I think that Kira kind of embodies that in many ways. She's a no-BS person. She's like, I'm going my pathway, and I'm going to do what's best for me in the long run whether I like it or not, because I could have still been left on Corellia under Lady Proxima, or I could have still been left with Dryden Voss trying to take orders from him when I can control my own destiny. And uh, that is what is super exciting. I totally agree with you at 100%. Just, just give it to us. Just freaking give it to us. Whatever <laughs> form you can, whatever form, uh, just, just give us a great story. That's, that's yes. with her. That's all Agreed. that matters. Let's cut, we should call up our friends, Bob Lucasfilm. please do this yes absolutely that call will be made at some point for (laughs) sure it's been awesome having you on here but it's not official until we do a little thing here on the podcast network we like to call plug time share with us where the good people of the star wars universe and the fandom can find you across social media Oh my gosh, of course. Folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. And beyond social, you can find my writing on Nerdist.com and StarWars.com. And I have a book called Star Wars, wow, Star Wars even, Women of the Galaxy coming out on October 30th. Awesome. I know I'm going to be picking myself up a copy of that. That's my collection of fantastic, fantastic novels. The Podcast Network is super excited to get our hands on a copy of that. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Please make sure to head on over to Instagram. Follow all of my tomfoolery in the Star Wars universe over there at the official vote. Check out www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in the galaxy far, far away. Interviews, podcasts events, everything that we're doing here at the network. See public, pick yourself up a t-shirt, Patreon, support the podcast, and as we always say here at the Podcast Network, Miss Amy Raycliffe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your love of Star Wars with the blockaders out there. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Like That was that was a great time. Makes me have warm and fuzzy feelings on, on the beginning of the week. On a Monday, it's great. Oh, that's the way to kick off your week. And as we always say here on the Podcast Network, may the Force be with you. 
always.